Hello, everybody. It's a good day to be worshiping together. Uh, this is the passage for the morning. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 through 46. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Church leaders hire pastors to build their church, and that is not their job description from God. Their job description is to invite people to connect with Jesus. That's their job. And I know a lot of pastors that have been fired while doing their job. Let me ask you a question. Tell me if this is true for you. I have an intimate understanding of God's will for my life, and I know how to live confidently in that will. Is that true for you? I have blank looks over faces. Let me read it again. I have an intimate understanding of God's will for my life, and I know how to live confidently in that will. Is that true for you? In fact, that ought to be true for all of us. And we live in fear, though, unsure whether God is with us. Even though we know that the blood of Jesus has covered us, we are confused at times about the will of God. Is it possible to even know God's will? And to know my place in his will? There is an assumption that because I'm a Christian, I am connected intimately with Christ. And this morning, I'm going to preach like I'm not assuming that to be true at all. This text from 1 Kings chapter 18 is, is a, it's a moment where we parachute into a narrative starting in chapter 17, 1 Kings 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. I want you to do more than listen 
to the text. I want you to engage. I'm going to help you, if I can, to set the scene. I want you to feel what Elijah was feeling. Elijah was the prophet of Israel. And prophets, I was trying to come up with a pastoral way of describing what a prophet is, and I came up with prophets are weirdos. They, are, they eat weird stuff, and they wear weird clothes, and they live in weird places. And when you hear that the prophet of Israel is coming to town, you start rolling your eyes. Oh, brother, what bad news is he bringing this time? And that was Elijah. But Elijah was connected to God. He had an intimate connection with God. He heard the voice of God all the time. And he could live confidently in that because he knew God's voice. And he heard it so often that he recognized it. Sometimes God gave good news and sometimes God told Elijah, buckle up, it's coming and it's going to be good. But he never doubted the voice of God. Of God, and so Elijah heard from God. And I want you, Elijah, to go and talk to one of the vilest kings that has ever been on the throne in Israel, King Ahab. Ahab was a horrible king. Well, most of the kings of Israel were horrible, so he was just toting the lion, right? Elijah was told by God, I want you to tell Ahab that it's not going to rain. You're not going to even see any dew on the ground. And tell Ahab, it is not going to rain until I tell you it's going to rain. (laughs) That is a mighty statement to make as a prophet who everybody thinks is a weirdo, standing in front of the, one of the most vilest kings to ever sit on the throne, somebody who has killing power. This is where our text parachutes into this narrative, beginning of chapter 18, 1 Kings Chapter 18, uh, the, the first verse, and many days, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Are you getting this? There has been no rain in the land for three years. If you're with me, say you're with me. For three years, Ahab has been looking for Elijah, hunting him down. He is the world's most wanted. Ahab is beyond ticked off. He has put a bounty out on Elijah, the prophet of God, the prophet of Israel, because Elijah heard the voice of God and obeyed it. Ahab was not interested 
in anything that God had to say. And he had some help coming to that conclusion because he was married to Jezebel. When was the last time you talked to anybody that named their daughter Jezebel? The name itself has a reputation. Jezebel followed false gods and Ahab, the king that was supposed to represent God himself, married someone who was against God. And when Jezebel married Ahab, she brought false prophets with her to the land of Israel. And now, three years later, anyone who claimed to be a prophet of God was scared. They were afraid because the land was filled with false prophets. At least 850 false prophets. Yeah, it should not have been a surprise to anyone that they would have experienced a drought. After all, in the Hebrew scriptures, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, the Bible says plainly, Yahweh talking to his people, I love you. I care for you. Oh, because I love you, I'm going to send rain to the land. Oh, I'm going to give you plenty. Your crops are going to grow and thrive, Deuteronomy chapter 11. But if you begin to serve false gods, you set your heart aside, I will shut heaven. On the rain will stop. Isn't it interesting that everyone in Israel was surprised by the drought? But they wouldn't have been surprised by the drought had they been hearing the word of God. You see, there's a struggle here. There's a tension here. I want connection with God without being connected to his word. You see, prayer and time in the word, we have relegated to legalistic time served. Instead of recognizing that I need to be intimately connected with God and the only way that I can stay connected with him is to stay in his word. I'm not talking about small groups. I'm not talking about Bible study. I'm not talking about when Tim and others stand before you in the proclamation event. Those are amazing and God can do marvelous things. But how many of us sit in this room every week and when I ask the question, are you confident in God's will, you thought, sometimes. Sometimes. Verse 41 begins our text for this morning. And Elijah said to Ahab, this is after God 
told Elijah to tell Ahab, all right, it's time, it's going to rain. Isn't that interesting that Elijah was told by God it's going to rain, but the reason why it wasn't raining was because there was false prophets in the land. God, how is it that you can tell Elijah it's going to rain? Well, just keep reading in the chapter because Mount Carmel is coming. Oh, and Carmel was the place where 850 prophets were killed, eliminated. God's word was true. And so after this event where Ahab begins to feel some kind of way about his power and authority, because he was trying to flex on Carmel the battle between Jezebel's prophets and the solo prophet of Israel, and God won. Verse 41, and Elijah said to Ahab, go up, get up. I know that you just took a whooping on Carmel, but get up. Get your face together. You're the king. Eat, drink, for there is a sound of a rushing rain. I want you to look at the text and see what the text is saying. Elijah has been hearing God. He's been connected with God. We say he has a relationship with God. Oh, yes, he does. Oh, and because of that, because of his lifestyle about uh, because of his daily time with God, Elijah begins to hear the sound of the rain before anybody sees a cloud. God said it's going to rain. And I heard God speak. Oh, and I believe God, and I trust God, and I have got history with God. We've been communicating for a while now. I recognize that when God says something, I might as well get ready for the rain. It's coming. So Elijah tells Ahab, get up, man. You're looking pitiful. I need you to get ready because I hear something that nobody can see yet. Which is why the name of my message for today is, Do You See What I Hear? I know it sounds Christmassy, but that's the best I could come up with. <laughs> Do you see what I hear? Elijah spent so much time in prayer with God that he could hear the evidence of God's will before it happens. Verse 42, so Elijah went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed himself down on the earth, put his face between his knees, see the posture of Elijah as he begins to direct 
the one who's been looking all over the earth to kill him. He gets up on Mount Carmel and he assumes this posture of prayer, I need to spend time with God. I need to hear God. I need to position myself to be able to to finally tune my frequency to his voice yet again. Getting ready to do something, but before I do that, let me spend time with God. Uh, Unlike what I do at times, and I start doing the thing I want to do, and then I say, God, please bless it. But I'm probably the only one in the room that does that. Elijah hears what others can't see yet. But the people would have known God's will had they stayed fervent in dialogue with God. None of this would have been a surprise if they had stayed in dialogue with God. And so, verse 43 said to a servant, get up right now, look toward the sea. And he went up and he looked and said, there is nothing What are you asking, Elijah? What are you asking your servant? Do you see what I hear? Because I hear rain. Yeah, I hear the rushing of rain. Surely you can see something. And a servant got up and he said, "I I don't see nothing. I see nothing. Elijah tells his servant, well, keep, keep looking for it because I've already heard God. Apparently for Elijah, what God's word provides is greater evidence than my eyes. Wow. Verse 44. And at the seventh time he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand Now, I have heard arguments regarding how big of a man are we talking about. Can we please not go there? You choose the man, we'll take the size of that hand, whatever that is. Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And listen to the confidence of Elijah. And Elijah said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. I can imagine if this servant wondered if Elijah the weirdo had lost his mind. What do you mean, hurry up and get ready? and take off because the rain might stop you. I see a a hand-sized cloud coming up from the sea. I don't even see anything in the sky yet. And you mean to tell me you want me to make changes in my life based on the word of God? Well, you don't have to. 
But the rain is still coming. It's still coming. And verse 45, and in a little while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. Ah, verse 46, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. This is uh, such um, an amazing picture of the humility of Elijah. You see, when the, the king was on his horse and you were in the king's presence and you rode with the king or beside the king, a way to show honor and respect is to go before the king. No horse, no donkey. I'm showing respect for the vilest king in Israel's history, the one that has been trying to destroy me. Wow. I don't have to fear Ahab. I've got this connection with God. Yeah. More I consider my fear, the more I need to examine my connection with God. And this, uh, this lens, this legalistic lens, I do my time in the Word because that's what you version said I was supposed to do today. And that is okay. That, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not questioning that. The question is, uh, do you know the will of God for your life? And you're confident in that. You know exactly who God has created you to be. You know what you're supposed to do. You know when you're supposed to do it, and you step in confidence into that, knowing that God's word said it. Well, sometimes that's the issue. That is the issue. So I want to take us to some, some application, some conclusion, perhaps this will benefit you. I, I bring you along this path because it was helpful for me as I spent time in this text. What do you need to see before you will completely believe and trust God? God, if you would show me this. God, if you would answer this prayer. God, if you would directly deposit this amount. God, if you would bless my, my children. God, if you would change the nation this way. God, if you would make sure that that guy doesn't get elected. Then I'll believe you. Then I'll trust you. Well, what's on your list? Because we might have a list, right? I'll believe 
when you show me. And are you sure that after he shows you, you'll believe? Are you sure? Yeah, they walked with Jesus. They, they, they talked with Jesus. Peter stepped out of a boat and walked on water. They saw Jesus. They heard him say, Lazarus, come forth. And he did. A woman touched, barely touched the hem of his garment, and she had spent all of her money trying to get solved all of her health issues. And just because of her faith touching his garment, she was completely healed. I wonder how it would have went down if she hadn't touched the garment with faith. I wonder what the story would be like if she would have said, Jesus, I'm going to touch your garment, and if I get healed, I'll believe. Because that seems to be standard operating procedure. We want to see without hearing, without the connection, without that, that kind of ongoing dialogue with the one who loved us before we were born. That was the first question. This is the second one. Why should anybody believe and trust God? Why should anybody do that? Especially if you hired me to fill the house with people and that doesn't have anything to do with connecting them to God. I just, you know, I'm a, I'm a manager of packing the house. I mean, that's my job. Who cares about this believing and trusting God business? Why should anybody believe and trust him? I want to give you two answers from the text on script to what we have been talking about today, together. Here's why you should believe and trust God. First, because you heard his voice proclaimed. That's why you should believe. You should believe that the rain is coming because Elijah heard it. Oh, I hear the rushing of rain. It's coming. God told me the rain was coming even before he destroyed the false prophets and got rid of them in the land. I should believe because I've been spending time with God and he told me. I've been praying these what if I hope it happens prayers. Who is praying with confidence because you heard God? Isn't it interesting that those who are believers in today's church who live confidently because they hear God's voice are considered weirdos? 
Come on now. I resemble that remark. <laughs> I heard his voice. The apostle Paul tells the church in Rome, faith comes by hearing. We are so quick to, to wait our judgment, our decision, until we see it first. And that's not faith. Faith, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, comes by hearing. The issue isn't that he won't tell us. The issue is, is it a value? Is it a commitment for me to always stay in dialogue with him? I have a feeling that some of us are are not rehearsed. We haven't practiced with hearing the voice of God. So when he speaks, you're not sure it's him. That's the issue. But we would believe and trust him if we hear his voice proclaimed. Second reason, I think, or the way that we can believe and trust him is because of our connection with God through talking with him, prayer, and hearing him, his word. I know that my family is going to be all right. I know that my anxiety is going to be healed. I know that our pregnancy is going to be okay. Because I heard God gives good gifts to his children. And I actually believe that. And I trust it. And I claim it. Where are the believers that believe him and trust him? That's what I want to be. And I want to hang out around others that want to be that way as well. Yeah, you know, I think we sometimes struggle with hearing the voice of God because our voice is the one filling the room. I'm having a hard time hearing your voice, God, but can you hit pause for a moment? Because I have a list for you. (laughs) You ever experience a time in your life when you stopped praying and you started complaining? Up and down means yes, side to side means no. What do you think? I can't hear him because I'm talking. My voice is filling the room. I have difficulty hearing his voice when my demands for blessing drown out God's plea for a daily relationship with him. My list. And do you know that the items on the list can be absolutely legitimate? It ain't about the list. It's about the connection. Oh, it's about hearing his voice. We want to analyze the cloud instead of expecting the rain. So here's my formula. I was very good at math growing up. And so here's my formula. Prayer plus the word 
equals dialogue. Prayer minus the word is monologue. Let me say that again. Prayer plus the word equals dialogue. Dialogue. Prayer. And you don't think it's important to spend time in his word. You don't have dialogue with him. You don't. And that's why you're unsure of his will for your life. And when I'm there, that's when I'm, I got questions I'm not sure. I want to invite the worship team to come and, and prepare to lead us in a musical atmosphere for communion. I want to suggest two ways to respond. There are other ways to respond. So if the Spirit of God leads you in another way, please follow the Spirit. But I want to suggest these two ways. As you come to the table, and as you prepare to take this cracker and eat it and remember the broken body of Jesus. And as you take this juice and you drink it and you remember the blood that was poured for a price, he didn't have to pay it. I was supposed to pay it. You were supposed to pay it. As you come to the table, I want you to consider possibly this. I admit that I am not connected daily to Christ. I just, I just want to admit that. I want to be specific. I want to be clear. I am connected to Mosaic. I'm just not connected to Christ. Yeah, I'm connected at Common Ground Church. They're all the time. I am faithful. I am committed. I just am unsure of God's will in my life. What if? Oh, I, would, I would go up that Mount Carmel by faith and sit down and place my face between my knees and I would tell the Lord, speak to me. And I practice it. I've done it so often. He speaks and I recognize it because I've spent time in prayer and his word. I've done that. Not this as a devotion, but because I want to stay connected to him. I'm not connected. Two. Or maybe this is you. I, I am not ready to change, but I realize that I need to. Is it okay if we just keep it real this morning? Father, I, I, I know 
I'm not where I need to be. And I'm just not ready yet to make that step. But boy, I recognize it. Maybe that is you. Or maybe, lastly, you can come to the table and you can give God praise because, man, you hear the rain coming all the time. That sounds like the right message for those of us living in the Pacific Northwest. 